look, developing high potentials isn't a bad strategy for success, unless you do it at the expense of your other employees. It's time to focus on leaders at all levels. In this episode, we're looking into better ways to grow your organization. Welcome to the 90th Percentile, an unconventional leadership podcast by Zanger Folkman. Each week, using research from over 1.5 million global assessments of leaders, we analyze different leadership traits, trends, and what it really takes for leaders to get to the 90th percentile. I'm Brianna Corin, and joining me today is leadership legend, Jack Singer. Thanks, Bri. I want to begin our discussion today by talking about trees for a minute. Oh, okay. I'm here for it. <laughs> You know, trees die from all kinds of causes. Sometimes lightning strikes them, it shatters their trunk and sets the tree on fire. Other trees die when insects kind of bore into them and they deposit their larvae and then the new insects hatch and begin to consume the tree from within. Even more fall victim to root rot. Once the roots become infected, there's no hope. And I've thought about that in terms of organizations dying just like trees do. They can fail from forces that come at the top or in the middle or at the bottom. Huh. That's a powerful metaphor, Jack. So what made you come to realize this similarity between tree rot and the the rot that can occur within organizations? You know, we've seen a, a dangerous trend within today's companies. Ironically, the key people within the organization recognize it too. On nearly every survey that asks senior executives about the bench strength of their leaders, they report that their organizations fall woefully short. When asked to assess their current leadership development efforts and whether they'll prepare future leaders, these execs very seldom give affirmative answers. Hmm. So what exactly are organizations counting on then to uh, save the day when the time comes? Well, our sense is that one hope is that within the organization, a few really exceptional individuals will flourish and they will step up into those leadership vacuums. And the second, yeah, and the second hope is that there are people outside the company with the necessary skills who could be enticed to join when the need arises. But you and I know both when hired from outside, 40% of the leaders don't succeed in their new role. So let's go back to the, the internal solution. The hope is that if an organization can identify those shining stars and can give them some additional development, you know, via key assignments or coaching and some kind of formal development, then success will follow. One of our clients, for example, that employs about 100,000 people around the world, each year this company selects 30 high potential individuals to participate in a development program. Remaining employees, meanwhile, receive virtually no development. You know, while there's nothing wrong with having an effective high potential development program, the assumption that all an organization needs to be successful in the future is a few good leaders at the top, we think is very problematic. Absolutely. And it's time, you know, to kind of change 
that thought process. Over the years at Zanger Folkman, we've researched and, and collected overwhelming evidence that effective leaders are a major key to organizational success. A highly effective top manager can make a, a huge difference in the potential for success in an organization, just as well as a, an effective first-line supervisor can also leave a significant impact. Uh, again, I'm think I keep thinking about that tree thing you talked about <laughs> that it can happen at the bottom, the middle or the top. They're all important, all of those levels. So, an interesting study that um, you and Joe Folkman did is you looked at a group of 46,319 leaders by their level, uh, looking at the top management, senior management, middle management, supervisors, and then you looked at their employees' discretionary effort or their willingness to give that extra effort, to work efficiently, their willingness to do more. So I'm looking at the graph and I will tell you what it shows. Those at the bottom 10% of leadership effectiveness, the discretionary effort levels are at the 16th and 15th percentile. (laughs) Not good, not good at all. But those, talk about this vast difference, those at the top 10%, of effectiveness. And it didn't matter what level, top manager, senior, middle, supervisor, those who were effective leaders had direct reports at the 71st percentile to the 73rd percentile in their willingness to give extra effort. Yeah. And what was remarkable about that research, Bree, was that when you compared the top management versus the senior management versus the middle management versus the supervisors, If their overall leadership effectiveness was low, those numbers for the different levels of the organization were also remarkably the same. And if their effectiveness was high, their direct reports or the people reporting to them had a willingness to give a much different level of discretionary effort. And it was virtually identical. You know, the management guru, Peter Drucker, noted that for most organizations, a 5% increase in employee productivity would double their profits. Well, you know, while the exact results would, would vary, few would debate the value of having more employees willing to give extra effort. In fact, when we asked leaders what the impact would be if, if more employees gave extra effort, The very consistent response we heard was, obviously, increased productivity. An interesting takeaway from this study is the consistent impact that leadership effectiveness has on discretionary effort at every level in the organization. The better the leader, the higher the percentage of employees willing to put forth extra energy, vitality, creativity, and regardless of their level in the organization. If you looked at it, the value of the leader in the top 10% is 4.6 times as great as those in the bottom. So we know development is good at every level, but how can you help leaders develop? If you ask a leader to rate their own effectiveness, and then you compare those results with a more accurate assessment based on the perceptions of 10 to 15 of their direct reports, peers, and their manager, 
you quickly discover that leaders are not so great judges of their own leadership effectiveness. Our research shows clearly that leaders either over overrate or underrate their effectiveness. And ironically, the best leaders tend to underestimate their effectiveness, while the poorer leaders greatly overestimate their capabilities and their behaviors. What leaders need to engage in effective, targeted self-development is to have a precise assessment of their current level of effectiveness. That's the key and the very first step. You know, in our combined decades of experience in developing leaders, we've found that an empirically created 360-degree feedback assessment is indeed the most accurate predictor of a leader's effectiveness. And when you think about the value created by that improved leadership effectiveness, the cost of effective development becomes really insignificant. When we objectively look at the value created versus the cost, you could argue that the development is free. This is evidenced by higher productivity from increased discretionary effort, lower turnover, and, and therefore lower recruiting costs, greater employee engagement, higher customer satisfaction, especially for customer-facing functions, and just the overall increased innovation that seems to result. You know, and also from our employee survey data, we know that one of the most significant drivers of employee satisfaction and engagement is the opportunity given to them for their personal development. And this same finding has been echoed by other studies as well. People don't just want a job. They want a career. Absolutely. So we know development is so important for all levels. Ideally, when should it start? In our data, the average age of leaders receiving development has been 45, and it's now up to 46 years of age. You know, that means that on average, a manager has been working in his or her role and in the workforce for more than 20 years before they receive any formal leadership development. New supervisors have most often functioned for at least nine years before they receive any formal development on basic supervisory skills. Why do we wait so long? When an organization loses a good leader and needs a replacement, it ideally would have a leader ready to step in and lead immediately. But, you know, that can only happen if we start the leadership development process much sooner. Okay. So we started this discussion by highlighting the main issues that organizations kind of are putting all their eggs in one basket by only doing formal development and training for high potentials. So what other issues do you see with that strategy? Yeah. In studying high potential pools of leaders, we found some very disconcerting trends. In one organization, for example, 17% of the managers whom the organization had put in its high potential pool were rated in the bottom quartile on leadership effectiveness by their 360-degree feedback assessment. In another, another organization with a similar program of existing managers in a high potential pool, 
we found 14% were in the bottom quartile. You know, high potential leaders are generally thought to be in the top 5% of the potential leader pool. So it's clear that, you know, organizations may need to refine their selection processes when choosing leaders for these programs. You know, it's unlikely that individuals who are currently in the bottom quartile will suddenly be catapulted to the top 5%. It's difficult to identify potential. We know that. Some people are kind of early bloomers. Others blossom more slowly and later in life. Unfortunately, unconscious bias can also play a role in those who are selected. We know from our assessments who the organization's most effective leaders are today, and the results are often surprising. Well, one example that we've discussed before is that we found that on average, women are rated as more effective than men, but that usually isn't reflected in the high potential pools. Uh, with 360 assessments, organizations can gain a more accurate evaluation of who the best leaders currently are and which leaders have improved over time instead of kind of just judging it from limited interactions. If organizations give leaders development opportunities, we found that some formerly poor leaders become good and some good leaders, they can become extraordinary. And one of the keys to organizational success is having a large pool of highly effective leaders. To wrap it up with another botany metaphor, organizations are like a well-kept fertile garden. The garden has great potential, but if you don't plant and water it, only weeds will grow. By developing leaders at all levels, organizations can significantly increase their effectiveness and improve the engagement of their employees. The 90th Percentile and Unconventional Leadership Podcast was written and recorded by Brianna Corin, Jack Zanger, and Joe Folkman, and produced by Zanger Folkman. If you are interested in learning more about Zanger Folkman's award-winning 360-degree assessments, leadership, and coaching offerings, or would like to attend our monthly leadership webinar series hosted by Jack and Joe, visit our website at zangerfolkman.com. If you like our podcast, tell your friends and coworkers about it, and be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, and leave us a great review. We really like to read them. All resources and links to the research referenced in this episode can be found in our episode details or on our podcast page on zangerfolkman.com. <laughs>